read about a department store who uh, advertised an interesting message uh, during Christmas one year. They hung two huge banners up uh, in the store, and on the banners uh, were in big, bold letters the same message. And the message simply said this, Make this Christmas one you won't soon forget. Charge everything. Unfortunately, uh, the real meaning of Christmas is often forgotten today. Christmas has become known as a time for stuff, buying stuff, wrapping stuff, stamping stuff, sending stuff, receiving stuff, opening stuff, regifting stuff. It's easy to get stuffed with stuff during the Christmas season. Christmas has also become known as a time for stress. We get stressed out during Christmas because of all the stuff of Christmas. All the shopping and spending and traveling and visiting and eating and eating and eating. Thankfully, we know that the real meaning of Christmas is about the Savior. Jesus is the reason for the Christmas season. Jesus is the good news of great joy for all people. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We can rejoice today because the Savior has come. Let me invite you to open your Bibles with me to Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 2. We are going to spend the next couple of weeks enjoying and studying and learning from this story of the birth of Jesus that we find recorded for us in the gospel accounts of Matthew and Luke. I want us to read from Luke's account of the birth of Jesus Christ this morning. Luke carefully investigated everything surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ, and he wrote an orderly narrative about the birth of Jesus Christ that we can trust in, that we can believe in today. And so we're going to begin reading together Luke chapter 2. Follow along with me in your scriptures. I'll begin reading in verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth, then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him snugly in cloth and laid him in a feeding trough because there was no room for them at the end. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today a Savior who is Messiah, Christ the Lord, was born for you in the city of David. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. 
The angels had left them and returned to heaven. The shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard just as they had been told. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. Father, we thank you uh, that you have seen fit to give us this record of your truth so that we might read it, so that we might study it, so that we might understand it, so that we might obey it, so that we might share it with those you place around us. And so, God, we ask now in these next moments, I pray the Holy Spirit would speak. And God, as he speaks through the truth of your word, I pray that we would be quick to hear and quick to obey quick to do the things that he's going to ask us to do, to make the decisions he's going to ask us to make, to make the changes he's going to ask us to make. God, as your Holy Spirit speaks to us, give us the courage to do exactly what he asks us to do. Father, we thank you for these moments. We thank you that we are here on purpose this morning, not by accident, because you have something for us. And so, Father, we wait with anticipation for you to speak. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. The story of the birth of Jesus Christ never gets old. The story of the birth of Jesus never goes out of date. As many of you know this, and I know you would agree with me, we can read the same stories in Scripture over and over again and learn new truths from God every time we read the Scriptures. This is one of the many reasons why we cannot go wrong reading and studying and obeying the Word of God. And so let's do that again this morning together. Let's look back at chapter 2 in Luke. I want to begin reading in verse 1. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, mark that, that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. A little background. Caesar Augustus was one of Rome's greatest emperors. Scholars tell us that Caesar Augustus came into power uh, somewhere around 44, 43 B.C. at the age of 19 years old. Now, uh, Julius Caesar had died, and so uh, there was a vacuum of leadership. And during this period of time, there were three men who were ruling in Rome. Caesar Augustus was one of them, and there were two others that were ruling in Rome Beginning in this time period, around 44, 43 B.C., we know that Caesar Augustus became the sole ruler of the Roman Empire in 31 B.C. and ruled to A.D. 14. Under the rule of Caesar Augustus that we read about here, the Roman Empire grew and expanded in size and in strength and in wealth as Rome became the power the power in the Mediterranean world during this time that, that we're reading about here. We know that this Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken 
for the entire Roman world. This census included registering the citizens of Rome and the citizens of all the countries that were under Roman rule. The purpose of this census that we see here was to provide Caesar Augustus and other governmental officials in Rome with an accurate count of the number of citizens within the empire so that these leaders and officials could make sure to uh, ensure in the Roman Empire proper military enlistment in their armies and proper taxation of their people. And so we see that scholars have also taught us and shared with us that Rome registered their citizens for census, for this census and other uh, census that were taken. They registered their citizens for a census by counting their citizens where they lived. This is Rome. But we know scholars have also taught us that the Jews registered their citizens for a census by requiring their citizens to go back to their ancestral hometown in order to be counted. So there's a difference in the way the registrations took place. Rome allowed the Jews to register for this census. Caesar Augustus allowed the Jews to register for this census that he decreed in their way. God's timing is perfect because God is perfect. Amen? God's timing is perfect because God is perfect. We may not always like God's timing. We may not always understand God's timing. But God's timing is always perfect because he's a perfect God. God's timing is always best for us because he knows best and he does what's best for us. And we see the amazing, awesome, perfect, sovereign timing of God at work here in this passage, in these first three verses. What do you mean? I mean this. God timed. Think about this with me. God timed the decree of the census from the Roman Emperor Caesar Augustus with Mary's pregnancy, with the time of travel that it would take for Mary and Joseph to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem, all so Mary could give birth to Jesus in Bethlehem. Why was this timing important? This timing was important because there was an Old Testament prophet by the name of Micah who prophesied that Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior, would be born in Bethlehem hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus actually happened. In Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, this is what Micah prophesied, Bethlehem Ephrathah, you are small among the clans of Judah. One will come from you to be ruler over Israel for me. His origin is from antiquity, from eternity. That, my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, is what you call a drop-the-mic moment. If I had a microphone, I'd drop it, boom, we're done. That's a drop-the-mic moment. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. Tell your neighbor our God is an awesome God. 
Are you with me? Do you understand what's going on here? Our God is such an awesome God. Our God is perfect. Our God is sovereign. Our God is in control. Our God timed together. He timed the Roman decree for a census with the pregnancy of Mary, the travel time of Mary and Joseph from Nazareth to Bethlehem, along with Old Testament prophecy that, oh, by the way, happened hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before the other situation happened. He timed it all perfectly so Jesus Christ could be born for you and me in a manger in Bethlehem so that we could know God, so that we could relate with God, so that we could spend eternity with God because of God's grace at work through our faith and trust in Christ Jesus. He timed this together perfectly. Awesome. When you look and read and see the hand of God at work in this passage, the hand of God at work in history, the hand of God at work in our lives today. Our God is truly an awesome God. So let's continue in verse 4. And Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David. We've talked about that. To be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him snugly in cloth and laid him in a feeding trough because there was no room for them at the end. I want us uh, to focus on a point here that is emphasized in this passage in the remaining few moments that we have together. It's a point that is emphasized in our lives today, day by day, step by step, moment by moment. It's the point of perseverance. It's the point of perseverance. Perseverance means to continue steadfastly in. It means to endure faithfully in our faith in God, our dependence on God, and in our obedience to God. I want to identify some points of perseverance here in this passage. We're just going to identify a few. There are many points of perseverance. We'll just highlight a few this morning as we receive what God has prepared for us this morning. We see, number one, Joseph and Mary persevered through difficult circumstances. They persevered through difficult circumstances. We see this throughout the story of the birth of Jesus. Now let me just give you three examples. Conversations were difficult for Joseph and Mary. Joseph and Mary were betrothed at this point. Uh, They were betrothed to be married. The betrothal period in Bible days is similar to, but more serious than, engagement is today. One of the differences is, during the betrothal period, uh, Joseph and Mary were known as husband and wife. They were, they were called husband and wife. And so we know that Joseph and Mary, as well, had not been intimate with one another because they were still in the betrothal period. They were not yet officially married as husband and wife, and so they were in the betrothal period, and they had not been intimate together based upon their obedience to the truth of God's word, which God's word said and still says to us today, intimacy within marriage, uh, not intimacy before or outside of marriage. And so we see they were walking in obedience to the word of God. They were betrothed to be married. So therefore, when we understand what's going on here, we would know and realize that Mary's pregnancy would be seen as the result of her unfaithfulness to Joseph by the initial understanding of here's Mary and she's pregnant. It's actually 
what Joseph thought initially before the angel of the Lord came to Joseph to tell Joseph God's plan for he and Mary. And upon hearing the plan that God had for Joseph and for Mary, Joseph obviously understood and persevered in his faith in the Lord. And they continued forward with God's plan for their lives. But just for a moment, imagine Joseph and Mary trying to explain her pregnancy. Just imagine. Oh, look at this sweet young couple. You guys look so good. How long have y'all been married? Uh, well, we're actually not married yet. We're, we're still in the betrothal time. Oh, oh. Um, don't mind me asking. It looks as if, uh, Mary, you're very pregnant. Oh, yeah, yeah, she is. She's pregnant, but I'm not the father. Uh, uh, you're not the fa- father. Okay, okay, well, if you're not the father, who's the father? Oh, Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit. If you don't mind me asking, how did you find out that it's the Holy Spirit of God? Oh, an angel came to me in a dream and told me all about it. Ah, okay. Can you imagine? Now, understand. The conversations would not have been difficult for Joseph and Mary because Joseph and Mary believed God. And they knew everything that they were saying, they knew everything that was happening to them was of God and from God and by God. These conversations would have been difficult for others to understand and believe once they heard Joseph and Mary's explanations. And so we know Joseph and Mary persevered through difficult circumstances. The conversations would have been a challenge. Travel certainly was difficult for Joseph and Mary. Joseph and Mary did not travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem by plane, train, bus, SUV, or Uber. They did not make the travel that way. They traveled by foot and by donkey. Now, scholars tell us and historians tell us that the distance between Nazareth and Bethlehem is in the range of 70 to 80 miles. So that would be the distance for the travel there from Nazareth to Bethlehem. But that doesn't tell the complete story. The complete story is when you understand the geography of Israel, and Nazareth is more located toward the northern part of Israel, and Bethlehem is located in southern Israel. Bethlehem is located just outside of the city of Jerusalem in southern Israel, but that's also the mountainous area of Israel. And so the travel would have been over rocky, mountainous terrain, literally, for Joseph and Mary to go up from Nazareth to Bethlehem would literally be Joseph and Mary going up from Nazareth to Bethlehem, up, up into the mountains there. And so we know the travel was difficult. We also know the conditions were difficult for Joseph and Mary. Remember, the number one condition, Mary was very pregnant. Imagine, ladies, for just a moment, that travel. Guys, we can't imagine. Imagine the travel. We know Bethlehem was packed as well due to the census decree, and therefore families were coming back to register in Bethlehem. We know that there was no room in the hospitals, birthing centers, and inns for Joseph and Mary, and so Joseph and Mary were relegated uh, to going outside. Mary gave birth to Jesus outside in a cave or in a stable area and used animals feeding trough for a crib 
for Jesus. So we see, just in these small examples, Joseph and Mary persevered through difficult circumstances. Joseph and Mary also persevered through dangerous opposition. They persevered through dangerous opposition. Matthew told us in Matthew's account, Matthew chapter 1 and chapter 2, Matthew told us that King Herod was disturbed. Matter of fact, he said he was greatly, he was very disturbed when he heard the news about the birth of Jesus, this one born king of the Jews. Herod was appointed as king over Israel by Roman authority. King Herod felt threatened. He felt his throne and his power was threatened by Jesus, the birth of Jesus, the true king of the Jews. And so King Herod, early on, immediately upon hearing the news, began to plot about a way to try to eliminate this threat to his throne. He plotted to eliminate Jesus, and his plan involved the wise men. The wise men, Matthew told us, came traveling from the east. And the wise men had seen the star, and they came traveling from the east because they wanted to find this Jesus so that they could worship Jesus. And so King Herod, upon meeting the wise men from the east, he shared a a, a plan with them, so to speak. They didn't realize at this point in time what was going on, but he said, hey, listen, guys. He said, I hear you're going to find Jesus, and you're you're going to worship him. That's a great idea, by the way. I, I really... Applaud you for that. He said, tell me, tell, I want to ask you, just do me a favor if you would. When you go and you find Jesus and you worship him, would you mind coming back to me? And would you give me a report about everything you find, everything you see? Would you give me a report about uh, this baby Jesus, the, the king of the Jews? Because I would like to go and worship him myself. Wink, wink. And so we know King Herod's true desire was to kill Jesus. He wanted to eliminate Jesus. Well, Matthew goes on and shares with us that the wise men went and found Jesus. They worshiped Jesus just as the scriptures tell us that they did. They were able to fulfill uh, their desire there to go and worship Jesus. But they were warned in a dream that they were not to go back to King Herod. And so they went home by a different route. They didn't go back and give the report to King Herod. So in Matthew chapter uh, 2, I want you to turn real quick to your left. Go to Matthew chapter 2 real quick. Uh, We'll see how this unfolds. Uh, The wise men from the east, they went home a different route. So King Herod uh, is left waiting for these wise men to come and give him a report. But they left and went home by a different route. And in Matthew chapter 2, uh, in verse 13, Matthew wrote this. After they, had, they were gone, that meaning the wise men, after they left Joseph and Mary and Jesus, after they were gone, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt and stay there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and escaped to Egypt. Note Joseph did exactly what the angel of the Lord told Joseph to do. He did exactly what the angel of the Lord told Joseph to do. Now, if you look down in verse 16, Herod finally begins to to figure things out. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been outwitted by the wise men, 
flew into a rage. He gave orders to massacre all the male children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under in keeping with the time he had learned from the wise men, that being on their first visit. And so the motivation of Herod was obviously now seen. Uh, everyone able to see what his motivation was. And so we know that Jesus and Joseph and Mary fled to Egypt. They stayed in Egypt until King Herod died. Scripture tells us that once King Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph and said, Hey, Joseph, it's time. You need to get up, take your family, and go back to Israel because Herod, who was trying to kill Jesus, has died. And so Joseph did what he had done before. He did what the angel said to do. He got up, took his family, and they went back to Israel. They ultimately settled in the town of Nazareth. Nazareth is a town up in the northern part of Israel, just outside the Sea of Galilee area. It was a town located between the Mediterranean Sea and the Sea of Galilee. And this is the town in which Jesus grew up, the town of Nazareth, which we see uh, about and read about here in this account of the birth of Jesus in Luke chapter 2. Joseph and Mary persevered through the sudden moves in the night. Joseph and Mary persevered through travel to and from Egypt. Joseph and Mary persevered through the dangerous opposition that was coming against them because they were the parent they were the parents of uh, the savior Jesus. Joseph and Mary persevered through the adjustments that would certainly have taken place in and leaving and, and coming back and, and leaving in the middle of the night and adjusting to a new town, new schedules, new surroundings, we see one of the many, many messages that we see in the manger. As we read the passage in Luke 2, verses 1 through 20, each of us can pick out many different messages. I would encourage you to spend time with your family during this Christmas season, to read the passage, to talk with your children, to talk with one another about the messages that we find here from the manger in Bethlehem. There's multiple messages, but certainly one of the messages that we see from the manger in Bethlehem is the simple message, persevere. Persevere when facing difficult circumstances. Persevere when facing difficult people. Persevere when facing difficult trials. Persevere when facing dangerous opposition. Persevere when facing spiritual warfare. Persevere, persevere, persevere as followers of Jesus Christ. We see this message throughout God's Word. We see this message here in the story, the account of the birth of God's Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so let's look at a, a few points that we can apply in our lives that relate to perseverance, that relate to how we can persevere and what happens as we persevere. Number one, the first truth is that we persevere by our faith in God. We persevere by our faith in God. Matthew told us that Joseph was a righteous man. That means a godly man, a just man. Joseph was a man who believed in God. Joseph's righteousness was on display in this passage about the birth of Jesus. Joseph showed his righteousness when he 
didn't want to disgrace, embarrass, shame, or publicly draw attention to Mary when he initially learned about Mary's pregnancy. Joseph knew the Old Testament taught that death was the punishment for a woman who uh, got pregnant outside of marriage. Joseph loved Mary. And the scripture says Joseph wanted to just simply divorce her quietly, secretly. He didn't want to bring attention. He didn't want to bring shame. He didn't want to embarrass her. He didn't want folks to look on her in a negative way because he loved her. He wanted to divorce her secretly. A divorce, a legal divorce, was required to break the betrothal period. Remember, the betrothal, a little different, a little more serious than the engagement is today. A legal divorce was required to even break a betrothal period, so that's why Joseph was looking initially, initially, for a, a divorce quietly to lessen any disgrace that might come to Mary. Joseph showed his righteousness also by listening to and believing everything the angel said to him when the angel shared with Joseph God's plan for Joseph and Mary and this one uh, that Mary was going to give birth to. Joseph showed his righteousness, his godliness, his faith and trust in God as he took Mary to be his wife. Joseph showed his righteousness as he continued persevering in his faith in God, as he continued loving Mary. You see, Joseph believed that God would do what he said he would do. Joseph believed that God would do what he said he would do. And so Joseph persevered by his faith in God. Luke told us that Mary was a virgin who found favor with God. She was highly favored by God, which means Mary was blessed by God with grace from God. Mary was blessed by God with grace from God. Mary had what was written about her, similar to what we read about Noah in the Old Testament. Noah, it says in the Old Testament, found favor with the Lord. Mary found favor with the Lord. We know Mary received grace from God because of her faith in God. Mary found favor with God because of her faith in God. Look at Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, we see this clearly in the scriptures. Luke chapter 1, after the angel had finished explaining to Mary how she would become pregnant and what would happen with this birth, Mary responded in Luke chapter 1 in verse 38, and she said, I am the Lord's slave. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. Mary, in essence, after hearing the explanation from the angel about how she would become pregnant, how she would give birth, Mary said, okay, sounds good to me. I believe you. Just imagine that. The faith in Mary to produce that response from Mary. Amazing. We continue to see Elizabeth, Mary's relative, spoke about Mary's faith. Look in chapter 1, verse 45. Elizabeth, Matthew, or Luke is recording here. Elizabeth said, she who believed, again, she, that being Mary, who has believed in what the angel said to her about her pregnancy, she who has believed is blessed. 
Because what was spoken to her by the Lord will be fulfilled. So we see Mary, like Joseph, believed God would do what he said he would do. Joseph and Mary persevered by their faith in God. They believed in God. We today persevere by our faith in God. We persevere through our difficult circumstances, our challenges, dangerous opposition. We persevere through trials and tests of our faith by our faith in God. We believe God is with us always. We believe God is watching over us. We believe God is working in us. God is working through us. God is working around us. We believe God loves us. We believe God knows what's best for us. We believe God always does what's best for us. We believe God is at work in our midst in amazing ways. We believe these truths because we believe in God. We believe God will do what he has said he will do in his word. And we today persevere by our faith in God. But also I want you to see, we persevere by our obedience to God. Joseph and Mary demonstrated their faith in God by their obedience to God. Notice this second point. Joseph and Mary demonstrated their faith in God by their obedience to God. It's one thing to say, I believe you, God. It's quite another thing to then actually Live it out. Walk it out. Which that faith is evidence that faith is walked out day by day by our obedience to God. Joseph and Mary demonstrated that they truly had faith in God, that they truly believed God by their obedience to God. Why? How do we know this? Well, then we, we see Joseph and Mary did exactly what the angel of the Lord told them to do when he told them to do it. Notice as well, it's interesting to point out, God did not spare Joseph and Mary difficult circumstances or dangerous opposition. I mean, really, if anyone was going to be spared difficult circumstances and dangerous opposition, if anyone was going to have just, I mean, an ideal pregnancy and delivery and an ideal birth story, it would have been Joseph and Mary. Mary was going to give birth to Jesus, the Savior of the world. And yet we see the exact opposite happened. God did not keep Joseph and Mary from difficult circumstances or dangerous opposition. God was with Joseph and Mary in these times, and they persevered through these times by their obedience to God. We all know as well today that the Christian life is not easy. It's the best life, it's the blessed life, but it's not the easy life. God has never promised us that he will Keep us from challenges and difficult circumstances, dangerous opposition, trials and tests of faith. God's never promised that. But what he does promise is this. He will be with us in these times. And we persevere through these times by our obedience to God. You see, just as Joseph and Mary did for us and we read about in this passage, we as well today do the same thing. We demonstrate our faith in God by our obedience to God. By walking it out, day by day, moment by moment, step by step. We demonstrate our love for God by our obedience to God. We persevere today. You're able to persevere this morning. The challenges, the difficulties, the hurts, the questions, the doubts, the pain, 
the brokenness, the weariness, the worry, the fear, the waiting, whatever it is, each of us persevere this morning, this day, this week, this Christmas season. We persevere by our faith in God and by our obedience to God. That obedience being the demonstration, the evidence of our faith and trust in God. And then we know a couple of the truths happen. As we persevere, we see God work. As we persevere, we see God work. As Joseph and Mary persevered in their faith in God and their obedience to God, they saw God work in amazing ways. They saw God do what only God could do. They saw God protect them and bring them from Nazareth to Bethlehem. I can imagine that probably seemed like a dawning challenge at the beginning. They saw God provide for them in every way. With the birth of Jesus, certainly not the way they expected and anticipated, but they saw God provide for them in every way. They saw God guide and direct and lead and protect them as they went to and from Egypt. They saw God bless their lives and build their faith in amazing ways as they persevered day by day. They saw God bless others. Through Jesus and the response of others to Jesus. Hey, listen, as we persevere, we see God work in our lives. As we persevere, we see God at work through our lives. As we, see, as we persevere, we see God at work in others' lives that He places around us. As we persevere by the power of God at work in us. We see God bless and build our faith in amazing ways. Each of us, I would dare say, can say this morning, I'm stronger. And I would hope we can all say, I'm stronger in my faith in God today than I was at this point in time last year. I'm stronger. Why? Because of Almighty God and his work in our lives. Accompanied through our faith and obedience to him. Hey, as we persevere, we see God bless and build and grow others in their faith in God. Are you kidding me? Is there anyone in here who was not blessed by the video? Scott and Melissa, Jake and Ella, Jake and Ginger and Timberly. We have had a front row seat. at work in their lives. You talk about the transitions that they were talking about. I don't know about you, but immediately thought of Joseph and Mary picking up in the middle of the night, going to Egypt. Scott and Melissa going here, there, and everywhere. In the name of Jesus, not welcome here. <laughs> not welcome here. Don't get settled here. Don't put down roots here. Jake and Ginger and Timberly going 
side of the world. Because this birth of Jesus is real. It's real. God has blessed and grown them to a point where he sent them out. And as we have persevered in our faith, as we have stayed connected to God by the power of God at work in us, if we, as we have served the Father here in this amazing church family that God has blessed us with, we have been able to sit and to watch not just God's work in our lives, but God's work in one another's lives. As we persevere, we receive God's blessings. Joseph and Mary, as they persevered in their faith in God and obedience to God, they were blessed by God in amazing ways. And as we persevere in our faith in God and obedience to God, we are blessed by God in amazing ways. Quite honestly, blessed so many ways we end up taking it for granted. Often. Hey, the good news for us this morning is simply this. Jesus understands perseverance. Jesus persevered for you and me. Jesus persevered through opposition, through persecution, through temptation, through death on the cross for you and for me. You see, the good news of the gospel is this. The perfect birth of Jesus that happened years ago in a manger in Bethlehem led to the perfect life of Jesus, which led to the perfect death of Jesus which led to the burial of Jesus, which led to the resurrection of Jesus, which leads to the opportunity for us to receive forgiveness of our sins, and it leads to the opportunity for us to enter into a relationship with God by God's grace through our faith in Jesus. Jesus persevered so we can persevere today. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. And let me ask, as our worship team comes to to lead us in this time of conversation.